We're running late. What are you going to do? <laughs> At least we're live. We're going here. Yep. Good. Check it in. Check it in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. That's working now. Beautiful. Bring it in. Do all my stuff. Oh, my gosh. Our guest is here. This is amazing timing. <laughs> There we go. They're buzzed in. All right. Well, what a wonderful way to start the show this evening. Welcome back. Hello. This is the Late Night Playset. My name is Jay Ryan, and uh, welcome back to it. Uh, out of sorts as usual. What else is new? <laughs> Got our masks. Holy crow. All right. Here we go. Uh, welcome back. Tonight is Thursday, August 13th, 2020. My name is Jay Ryan. As I said just a moment ago, this is the Late Night Playset. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, we're doing it live, and our guest, Andrew Florin, this evening, Porsches, Porsches with U-H-H-S on the Instagram is our guest. We are going to talk all about uh, his new residency. He's a, he's a doctor. I should say Dr. Andrew Florin. Uh, he's a resident uh, now over at uh, Cedar sinai back in town, living in Los Angeles again. And we're going to talk about uh, what it's like with COVID over there, what he's doing, even though that's not his department. He's OBGYN. Uh, we're going to talk about cars, Porsches specifically, obviously, for all of the reasons, the nature of this show and his personal passion, uh, as well as corgis, corgis in cars. <laughs> he and his family have some corgis, and uh, they, they've taken to doing this, um, like, they take pictures of their corgis in front of like classic 911s and classic Porsches at uh, at car events, and it's become kind of a fun thing to to follow. And even uh, even Jeff Sword, I think, uh, uh, posted one the other day, which was pretty funny because he's Mister Cars and Dogs. But I hear him coming in the front door right now. What's up, Andrew Florin? I hope it's you. <laughs> it is. What's going on, brother? I just turned the button on. We just uh, we just went live a few seconds ago. I was just introducing you and talking about uh, your cars and corgis and everything else. You can come on in anytime you want. Thank you. So we're much. very very informal nowadays. I'm so sorry for anyone. Why would you be sorry? Don't be sorry. Oh no. Oh, that's look at you. You're so smart. I didn't set the camera up for that, but that is a smart thing you just did. I, I separated the chairs, which I thought would be uh, helpful. And then uh, if that's yeah, if that works for you, that's where the camera's set up. But uh, but but wherever you're comfortable, we've distanced this a bit. Oh, brother, it's good to see you. Pull that up to you and make it comfortable. And see, make sure our shot's okay here. You literally just got out of the car. I turned it over here. <laughs> uh, how you feeling? Do you want a second to catch your breath? I've got some stuff to do. You want to just hang out while I do it? Awesome. All right. This is fun. Got him right here. Uh, we've. I'll just tell you, we've got a TBT to do tonight and an ECF. Uh, good old East Coast fee. We haven't checked in with them in a while, and it's not even a new one. It was just sort of a we hadn't checked in with them in a while, and they had uh, queued up, and we had one that was from pre-COVID that I never wanted to air uh, just because it's a lunch hour one where there's sort of some lunch hour antics. Yeah. And uh, at this point, I feel like all bets are off. Anything goes. <laughs> People are just blowing off steam. So uh, maybe we'll just do that first. Check in with East Coast Feed, Danbury Chive, Steve Kaz over at Ridgefield BMW in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Roll it out. Mr. and Mrs. Ryan, we have Scott, we have Alana, and me. And it's lunchtime on a Friday, because what do we do on lunchtime on a Friday, kids? We have alcoholic beverages, because <laughs> that's what you have to do in the car business to stay sane, is we have to do this. Scott, you want to get in the picture here? I'm gonna... yeah, stay in the frame. You gotta, it's a production value. Anyway, so say hello to the internet. Hi, internet. Hello, internet. Internet, everybody else. There you go. Um, interwebs. Interwebs. This is what we do to keep ourselves occupied because this week has been horrific. 
the coronavirus is still happening and everybody and oh, their mother is coming into work because we're an essential business, right? Alana, got anything to add? Cheers. There you go. Cheers, guys. Love you. <laughs> That's amazing. The uh, uh, I should say then, because it was it was later than I thought, it was dated in March. So I, I, in my mind, it was before, but it might have been just when it was sort of like becoming a thing. Uh, that was in Connecticut. So you, uh, I don't know if you've seen our show lately, but anytime we have checked in with them, they're like, everything is Lysol mask, everything. You can, there's an 18-point inspection to bring your car in of all the different points they have to, to okay. wash and wipe and everything. It's kind of wild. Yeah, it's a, a unique time capsule. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about all that stuff, you know, and everything being that it's sort of what you do and all. So we'll get get to that in a few minutes. Um, and TBT, I'm glad you're here for the TBT because I'm throwing back to a time that you'll probably be very fond of as well. Uh, I want to throw back to Lit Week because Lit Week, as I recall, was the last time we had anything. It's certainly uh, car-related here in Los Angeles, like official-wise. I mean, we're doing off-the-record cars and coffees and stuff, cars and COVIDs, SARS and COVIDs. Um, But uh, we did do a a video way back when, seems like six years ago now, probably only four months. Is that about right? Wasn't it like – it was the last thing, so it must have been early March, I'm guessing. Anyway, we've been doing it – it's Thursday, so we're doing a TBT, uh, rolling back to uh, Lit Week 2020. Uh, roll it out. I've got that already. Hey, Yes, sir. 
side of this thing. Serenity rocks. Correct. One, I forgot how long it was. <laughs> I forgot how much stuff happened that weekend, how much we all did. And then I'm thinking to myself, I know I saw your dad. You weren't back yet, were you? No, I wasn't. Oh, man. It, it was one of those things. that it was, <laughs> it was right before it all happened, right? Yeah, so, like, a week, like a week, right? Yeah, I was still in Chicago. And it's, it's sad because I, I remember wanting to really come back, but just the timing of it didn't work out. I was still in school and thinking to myself, oh, it's okay. Because hopefully, like at that point, I didn't know that I'd be moving back here. But in my mind, right. I, I thought at least like, well, there's still going to be love to get cold, like coming up in like the spring, summer. All the regular stuff is still going to happen. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's, it's okay if I miss the, this. I'll be able to come do the other stuff. Uh, and yeah, of course that worked out. 
Well, uh, <laughs> with that, welcome back from Lit Week to regular real life with COVID and, uh, and distanced uh, guests with uh, chairs that are a little bit further away. Uh, it is my pleasure to welcome back our good friend to the, uh, to the show. I guess I would say he's a Porsche fan. I guess you, I would say you're a Porsche file, and I would definitely say you're a Porsche family. Uh, Andrew, Dr. Dr. Andrew Florin is back with us here in the playset, and I couldn't be happier. It's, I don't know, you know, you meet a lot of people through Instagram, and yeah. I remember the day I met you, I remember where we were, and I remember you leaning into the car with your big happy face, and I mean that in the best possible yeah. way. I, I'm just so fond of you because I feel like you're one of those magic people in this world, and I'm so grateful that you're here again today, so uh, I, I, I guess I, I need to get all my fondness out of the way. <laughs> No, I, I appreciate you bringing me back. It's so good to see you, to have some kind of sense of normalcy. Like, just looking at that video, it's, like, bittersweet because you see – you realize, like, how small the community really is. Like, recognizing all the faces, seeing Maria, Lisa, everyone else yeah. just, like, tucked away in there and realizing, like, we're getting, like, a little taste of it here and then, like, with cars and coffee and different things. But it just makes you appreciate it that much more and, like, so eager for it to come back again. That's kind of like the tiny silver lining, right? Like, it does – it is yeah. – it's definitely making me more grateful. And I like to think I'm kind of grateful anyway, but it's – yeah. every single day you know what i mean Definitely. like i'm <laughs> please yeah, let's yeah. just keep it together one more day <laughs> exactly yeah a longer. Uh, well welcome back and all that stuff uh um I, I guess maybe we should start with your back in town last time we checked in with yes, you sir. i think was satellite yeah, and yeah you yeah. were ju- you'd already gotten your assignment we i think you talked about it on the show and yeah, but yeah. you hadn't you hadn't moved and you certainly hadn't started and you certainly hadn't lived with this life that we all live now so yeah. i'd love to just start maybe with uh, what you've been up to since we checked in last and uh, and go from there yeah um definitely it it's been a whirlwind I, I feel like it's felt like both an eternity and like a moment like i was talking with claire my wife about it like earlier today and i've been now in the hospital since mid-June basically like mid to late June and like we had like an orientation month basically where we kind of went through all the different services I'm an OBGYN resident over at Cedars and that was really exciting and just really intense because you're getting kind of a flavor for everything mm. and then starting at like the beginning of July they threw me into my first like like month-long block of night shift on labor and delivery and being like the intern on like a service like if you ask anyone you know Like, oh, I was born at Cedars. I was born at Cedars. You don't really think about that being from around here that everyone says that. Mm. But then you begin to appreciate what that really means in terms of how busy the labor and delivery unit is. One of the most crowded cities in the world. And everybody seems to have been born there. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see your point, sure. So it's it's been... Just traffic alone. Oh, yeah, exactly. And it's Mm. been like a... Just insane. I feel like a lot of people talk about just like how taxing intern year is at a residency. And I guess the good part is that the fact that there's nothing else happening in the world right now, this is the best year of all because I'm not, in the sense for me, that I feel like I'm not missing out on anything. Because it's not like all those things. Oh, that's what you mean. I was like, wait a minute, nothing's happening. I've never. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is happening. (laughs) In the sense of outside the hospital, that there's. Like, there's always that, that FOMO, like, oh, everyone else is mm-hmm. living their life and doing all these fun, exciting things. Nothing good is happening yes, outside exactly. of it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In fact, yeah. some of the best stuff in the world is happening where you are. Like, you're actually experiencing <laughs> creation and, and birth versus, cool. uh, you know, the other side of things, which is not, yeah. not going so great <laughs> these days. Exactly. So wow. It's, so it's been fun. It's like a unique challenge. For well, sure, I mean, I, mid-June, is that what you said? Early June? Yeah. When I think of medicine, I think of so many years of so many schooling and all – like a couple months. That's two months really. It doesn't sound like much at all. But yeah. yet every time I check in with you, it's kind of like you're just 
you're either just about to go on a shift or you're just off a shift. I mean, I guess that's life, yeah, but yeah. it seems it seems like you and your family are 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 a, a medicine family. Like you're built for this. Is that? I I guess I, it's weird because I don't know if anyone is really built for this. We just like it's it's weird because as you're in it, you're thinking there's got to be something else. Like you're just so tired and exhausted. But then when you finish a shift, when something good happens, oh. when you're in those moments, you just realize like there's nothing else that I would rather be doing. Like this is just so unique and such a challenge, but so fun. Um, it's kind of all of those emotions rolled up into one like 16 hour day that you're just circling through. Do you consider what you do? This is a weird question, but because I'm a weird, <laughs> curious guy, do you consider what you do a, like a service industry in the weirdest way? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think so. I, I do too. It, it and sure I'm only is. realizing it now. It, it, I think a lot of people will simply say that like, oh, it's a calling. And I think to a certain degree it is because you have to work so hard to be able to even get to this moment to actually be in the hospital mm-hmm. practicing that uh, you kind of have to be a little kooky to put yourself through that kind of life to get to it. That may be what I meant when I said built for it. I mean, like there is, I feel like there's a mm-hmm. DNA attraction to that type of work. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, it's hard to say because I think about like my grandfather who was a neurosurgeon and like, I just, he was always busy, always gone. And a, in my head, I thought, is that necessarily something that I want to put myself through and then put like my future children through? Why was he always gone? Was he just so busy? Just like, you're kidding. Wow. As a neurosurgeon, I mean, yeah, well, you can talk with my dad about that too, but, um, he was always working, and then when he retired, he was so passionate about the work and had been involved in so many different neurological associations like around That's the country. That's what I was wondering. He, he became like a consultant too. Stuff. Yeah, like he was involved in like mm-hmm. a lot of like the, the reimbursement process through Congress. Like he, he did a lot of different stuff for uh, neurosurgeons and for reimbursement in general for physicians. Wow. So like he was very invested in that, and even in his retirement, he was obsessed with that kind of stuff. He just loved the work. Some people love life outside of work and love the work. He, I think he loved both, but he was just so passionate about what he was doing that he really focused on that. I mean, I kind of get that, but I kind of see that in you too, but you're not afraid to enjoy life. Like you definitely stop and smell the roses. (laughs) That's one of the things I like about you. I mean, we met in one of those moments where it was like, Oh, the the light's shining very bright today. That kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think it makes you appreciate it that much more when, when time is a limiting factor, like you want to like really make the most of that time that you're given and enjoy it. Is it possible that because you come from a family of medicine that maybe that is ingrained? Like death is already built in. Like I didn't really yeah, yeah, yeah. change my ways from being a youthful, angry young man who kind of made his way through the world however he wanted to like, a, oh, there's a bigger picture here. Yeah. Until I kind of something happened with me uh-huh. health wise and I sort of had to yeah. look at death a little closer than I certainly thought I would in my 30s. Yeah. You guys have to sort of think about that. You have to learn about it. You have to learn to prevent it, obviously. Yeah. Um, is that maybe part of it, or are you just kind of a grateful huh? person in general? We've said that before, that grateful I mean, word. Definitely grateful. I, I think maybe part of it, too, and I think this kind of speaks to like a larger issue in general, like being able to see my grandfather as a physician, like I could, I could see myself in those shoes and like capable of being able to pursue something like that because I saw someone like me that was able to do it before. Um, oh, and so I think half like, laid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think of like a lot of my friends, like in mm. Chicago, 
just like we were on the south side of Chicago, and so you think about like the social issues at play there, and a lot of the my like co medical students dealt with like not having role models exactly that they could visualize. Like a lot of the Afri- African American population there didn't have a lot of strong African American doctors that they could model and believe themselves to be as well. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it, like having my grandfather as that role model. Um, and I think also having my father as that role model because he mm-hmm. had been a few years pre-med and realized that it wasn't for him and had the strength to pivot and go into something else that he was truly passionate about. I think seeing both of those things kind of helped inform my decision because it gave me like the, I think the freedom to be able to make that decision truly for myself versus some people that you hear that are kind of like lineages of families that go through this kind of thing. I'm skipping around here, but your father, the, the middle generation non-surgeon now, is uh, is one of my favorite people to talk to simply oh, yeah. because his brain is willing to go to a fantasy place because that's what he does for, you know, he creates. He walked in oh, here, yeah. you guys still don't know this, but they, they were both on the show once together, and he came in here and he just got it. He just got it. I, <laughs> he got it details, more than anybody yeah. else, yeah. <laughs> and in fact, it gave me the confidence to dive in a little bit further because it's you see it's even grown since yeah, then. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, he just, uh, there's something about him, obviously his intellect is through the roof so he's he's a pleasure to talk to because he seems to understand everything but um uh you see the twinkle in his eyes too when he either shares his idea or he bites onto yours and maybe that's what i see in you too maybe that's maybe that's something that you guys just have (laughs) i don't know there's some there's some genuine enthusiasm that you're not afraid to wear on your sleeve and share with other people that i think is bold and courageous because some some people Thank you. We put whatever we want on Instagram, but yeah. maybe we're different inside or whatever. And yeah, yeah. you guys are the genuine article. Well, likewise, I feel the same. I mean, this goes back to our conversations before about gratitude and just like, it's like the world needs more passionate people who truly are passionate about what they do or whatever it is they do, regardless yeah. if it's their like main job, if it's just something that they're interested in. Like, why would you, why would you waste your time doing anything like a half measure? We I were, I, uh, <laughs> shameless plug here. I was on the Smoking Tire podcast earlier today. Ah, yeah, I don't hear <laughs> uh, But we, we talked about, you know, Matt said something or other about, uh, you know, being kind and working hard and the whole thing. And it was totally true. Yeah. I turned it around to, uh, you know, doing what you love um, goes a long way because, in my opinion, you're, that's putting more love into the world. And it really Definitely. is that simple. You can put more love into the world in the most selfish way possible. Simply by yeah. doing what you love, the result is going to be uh, exponentially uh, superb. Yeah. That's and not that, an actual mathematical equation. That. <laughs> this right here, everything that you're doing is a perfect testament to that. Oh, thanks, man. No, but that's all, that's all. This is all I know how to do. So that, but you're – thank you. No, it's <laughs> you're true. You're just I, describing why we do this. Yeah. It, it, it brings so much joy Like to be able – not only is it something like comforting that you hear, especially in like these situations, but it's it's so sincere and it's such a reflection of the community at large that I feel like for people too that are trying to kind of make their way into the community that don't necessarily have a clear in. Like for me, I'm grateful that my father was already part of the Porsche community. And so for me to kind of get to know people, I had like one degree of connection that kind of made me feel a little bit more at ease. Mm. But I think people that are trying to kind of come in, they'll stumble upon the t- like this podcast and they'll and like the show and they'll get to hear like kind of what's going on and it's not like a facade like it's actually like like that like flashback that's really what's happening right and so I think it gives people hopefully a little bit more comfort and willingness to to just like walk up and say hello like I was nervous when I came up to you when we were at like the Malibu Country Mart because like you you hear and like you talk but like there's one thing to make that next plunge because it makes you vulnerable and not a lot of people to like make to, the synapse right yeah, to yeah. fire between yeah. exactly yeah well so, putting yourself out there I guess is maybe the lesson there. 
because you yeah. did, and we, here we are. I know, and it's so it's so nice. It, um, it means a lot. I love what you said about the facade. It's not a facade, and that's sort of the irony of this whole thing. You, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. sort of what I love about the whole thing. It's yeah. like we're preaching authenticity while we're sitting here in this fantasy make-believe land <laughs> that I created. Nobody still really knows why, including myself, but we needed it. We needed it to happen this way in order for it to all unfold. Exactly. Yeah, there's something fun about that. But again, that's that whimsical nature that, that yeah. I was talking about your dad and, and that twinkle that you guys share. Um, uh, it was very nice to finally – do you mind if I switch around again? Please. Just, Are I'm you just, kidding? You think I care? I, I don't know. Here. I'm so happy to see you. I really am. Um, uh, bouncing all around, it was so nice to meet your wife finally the other day. I've, I am yeah. next to certain that was the first time finally, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's amazing. It definitely was. Uh, she's beautiful. She's lovely as a person. She's, she just seems like a kind soul. Yeah. Uh, your doggy is just adorable. <laughs> I can't remember the name right now. Ollie. Ollie, of course. Oh, yeah. And, but then Ollie had a friend the other day who was the sister's dog, right? Yes, Mr. Feeney. Come on, from uh, that is Boy his Meets name. World? That is his actual name. I would have, I, then I'm going to call his, that dog Kit list, if I see Mr. it Mr. George Feeney, the whole deal. <laughs> she fully committed. <laughs> Mr. Matthews? Yes. Oh, my gosh. At the so vet, funny. they have to call him by name, Mr. Oh, that's, Feeney. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, because if you don't give, yeah, you have to, exactly. of course. Oh, that's funny. You they have call to, George. they call ours meow meow. You have to do what you have to do. <laughs> uh, but she's lovely. And then the two dogs, um, uh, <laughs> The whole thing was just a matching set how you arrived the other day. It looked like the Double Mint Twins commercials. It was oh, really, yeah. you know, <laughs> two pretty girls in masks, two matching dogs. It. It's the best. People recognize the corgis now. Like, they have no idea who we are, which is perfect. And they'll just be like, oh, hey, like, I recognize that dog from, like, a photo of some random person had posted on Instagram. It's like, that may have been me. I don't know. Oh, but, that's yeah. a riot. Like, they're, they're sweet. Well, what I, I noticed is <laughs> you started um, – you, you took to I, you've probably been doing it for a while, but I definitely noticed it that day in Malibu because you've taken to doing the cars and corgi photo. Yes, and it's becoming <laughs> a thing. <laughs> that that brings a lot of joy. Well, was it Zward who just posted one the other day? There was somebody familiar in our community high up that I was like, "Wow, it's taken off." So it was really sweet because I mean, everyone knows Jezebel. It was we so. All it see was Jezebel, Zward. and so I think that was one of the times I saw you last was at Malibu, and Jeff had come up there because I had, I had messaged him. And it was before he was going to be heading out to Colorado for Pikes Peak. Exactly. And he brought Jezebel out because I said I really wanted to get a photo with Ollie and Jezebel together. This is the story. And yes. so that's when like, I was walking around. And I saw him with people. I didn't want to bother him. Like, he's doing his own thing. And like, the sweetness of his heart, he walks over to me while we're in front of his car, his like, light yellow 911. And like, he popped over, made sure that Jezebel got posed. We got Ollie posed with him. And it was so sweet. And then Type 7, the, the Porsche digital publication. That's what it was. Um, those awesome people over there, they reposted it because like, they, they messaged me. They said, I think the world needs this right now. They just need a little, a little bit of corgi love and some Porsches. It's just happiness. It's happiness more. in a photograph. <laughs> yeah. Just innocent little corgi with his little bandana. That's what Porsche. it was. It was Type 7. But Type 7 is <laughs> pretty, pretty big. <laughs> yeah. They're, no, they're awesome. They're awesome. Oh, man. Well, is that going to become like a series? Because it certainly could be. Or are I mean, you just would, joking around? I would love to. It could be my, a calendar, man. My ultimate dream. Someone actually said something like, oh, are you making a book? And I laughed. And I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. But it's not bad. Yeah. yeah. They're onto something there. Especially these days where we are all sort of stuck in the library, so to speak, and we're all getting sick of our screens. Everybody yeah. is ordering tangible books off Amazon these days, you know, to sit and read. Exactly. I'd love to have a nice photo book on the yeah. coffee table or whatever. Well, something, I mean... So I, I think I had told you before about the silly little books that I was working on, um, like the rhyming you, ones. Yeah, you named it that. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're not I, being uh, disparaging right now. It's, yeah, yeah, they're they're it's like a creative title. They're like a silly. Yeah, I have I'm working on the titles for them right now, but they're like a rhyming children's books, like Porsche centric, like Porsche centric. And the second book that I have involves Ollie, and so like I can imagine, just like we have the illustrator and we're trying to get things going right now. I love uh, this, but I think it'd be like a fun way to like share your Porsche love like with the next generation. And it has like all these different little morals and random things associated because I was reading like John Wooden books and all these random things with all the free time that we've had this is before I started saying. residency. Uh, but yeah, it's it's like a nice way to unwind. I if there's any way, maybe we could partner up here. I have been wanting for like probably over two years now. I have yeah. I've only started I've only got like, oh, this is this one, this will be this one. I haven't like done the outlines for each yeah. story. But I've got like six of these are what these I want to do a, a a children's book series where Yellow Car is the the star and it's That'd adventures awesome. of doing things that doesn't you know, I think yeah. I can, I think I can with the train. All the things yeah. that spoke to me as a kid that kind of you know, the little golden books and all oh, those yeah. different things. I kinda of wanna do something like that, but um but in the Porsche committee. But but fiction straight fiction, you know, just for, for kids. Yeah. Like I mean adults may like the illustrations if they're good enough, but I yeah. kinda of wanna do it for kids and kinda of make I think you should like a good mark, and not you know maybe give it to charity. Like I don't know, yeah. I don't even know what to do. I haven't gotten that far, but I creatively, totally I just it's such a happy thing. And kids so go to fun. that car, no matter what's in the parking lot, no matter how many dollars are spent in the parking lot, yeah. they all want to go over and touch the dirty, <laughs> happy little yellow car. Anyway, I would buy that. I, I feel like I feel like the world well, is clamoring for that because like really, what kind of there's not really too many like porsche centric like children's books or even just automotive children's books in general and the, we have the one behind you from from dwight carpe gear is the only thing i can think of with the yeah. little silver speedster there yeah the small silver speedster, exactly um which is great and the little red ferrari i think is the other one i can't remember the other mm. one but with the sir sterling anyway, yeah, yeah great book series but it's like how many books can one guy put out and they're each very individual stories about yeah. his kids kind of almost you know it's an interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. uh i think to go more generic and actually do it like for Oh, this is for, like learn this lesson in life, you know, yeah. or whatever it happens to be. I think you totally should. I think you get so much out of just that creative process of just putting it to paper. Like I, I struggled through it and loved every moment of just trying to write these things, and like it just randomly like ideas will pop up in my head now that I've had like this week off to kind of just relax because I was dry drove up to Santa Barbara yesterday and back, and on the way like just like random little like glimmers of an idea. I was like, oh. I can make like a fun story. And then it's just that whole process of exploring it and like the rhyming scheme that you create along the way or however like you want to write it. Like there's just so much to it. It's fun. The creative process, right? It really is. What do you do to, well, it sounds like you took a drive to tap into it this time. <laughs> I was going to say like, you know, what do you do to tap in? Uh, Relax. I think, I, I think a lot while I run. Oh, right. I, I love going for like long runs. It was how like in Chicago, that I would almost like scout locations if I was going to shoot any of the Porsches in the city. Um, and that's also just been a way not only to de-stress, but like I think a lot while I'm doing that and I'll come up with random ideas and I'll just like pause and like jot them in my phone um, and then keep going. You're so pumping so much blood is good for you, right? I mean, it's exactly. just so good for your heart and cardio. Oh yeah. And then you get home too. And for a few hours you feel like it's that runner's high. Like you are sitting there. Like, Have you run your whole life? Is that, is that something that's always uh, been? Not my whole life. I, I've done sports my whole life, but not like serious running. I always hated it in high school. I ran like a little bit with my friend who was a cross country runner. Right. But that was only for volleyball and different things like that. It wasn't until college that I began like more seriously like run and then moving to Chicago. It's like a fun way to view the city. 
You find mm. all the little nooks and crannies, which end up being like fun areas to shoot the cars. I think of like Casey Neistat in New York, same uh-huh. thing. Like he just ran and skateboarded and everything. He was always like that was his way of sort uh-huh. of discovering way more than the rest of us do a little bit. You oh know? yeah. What about you? What did you do? Frequency. Were you were you into sports or anything in particular that, Dude, that drew you? No way. I was. We talked about this on the smoking tire actually last <laughs> night. Uh, I was. I was into anything art related, or I was on my own. I used to mm. like to. I mean, hello. It's sort of <laughs> put Jay in his little cave. Let him make his magic. Uh, no, I was not into sports even a little bit, and to this day, I don't get it. And uh, it's funny. I've had to work with a lot of like sports celebrities. Yeah. Um, and I almost think. I get these gigs because I don't know shit. Like I like literally some of the <laughs> biggest people ever. Like I can't even think of who I should mention um, because I can't remember the Oh, Rob Gronkowski. Oh. I worked with him on a thing when he was like yeah, yeah. the biggest guy going when he was still playing football. Uh-huh. And then there was Stephen Curry who was like the wow. biggest yeah. thing. And I did a commercial with him and I, uh, I drove Kobe Bryant in my time machine to that Nike launch. All these yeah. memes that are showing up with Kobe getting out of a time machine. The guy next to him has this tattoo on his wrist. Cause it's me. <laughs> Hi. That's amazing. <laughs> and it was shot in front of undefeated out here in uh, Santa Monica by my friend, Tiffany Curry. Anyway, awesome. just like I keep getting these weird life placements with these like pretty big celebrities. There've like been many that. others too. I can't yeah. Anthony, somebody else, Anthony Davis from the, yeah. he's a basketball player. On the Lakers now. Oh, he is. Yeah, 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 I did a thing with him. A huge com- was he, he something for Pixels that that com- that uh, movie. And uh, that's so interesting. Maybe you approached Doctor Doctor like a... Dre. No, it can't be Doctor Dre. Doctor yeah. Doctor J. Doctor J. Doctor J. Oh. Who's he's passed away recently? Moses Malone. Oh wow! Like like that's awesome. Yeah, and I've had all these jobs with these people because <laughs> I used to do some work for ESPN. Yeah, like promo work. Uh, yeah, just really weird stuff. And, and I'm, I'm not like an assistant. Like I'm the guy who has to kind of talk to them and stuff. You know what I mean? Wait, were you involved in like all of the, the ESPN campaign? Like they had like their amazing commercials. Not the sports like... cent- not the ones that won Emmys for sports Okay, Center. I was thinking of those really fast. But I would work with the same DP and the same oh, crew a lot of times, but it would so cool. be, it would be my crew on my shows. Uh-huh. But no, I didn't do the sports center commercials. That would be awesome. That's regardless. That's amazing. I wonder if then the fact that you weren't as invested in their sports, you were able to approach them from like a more human perspective. One hundred percent. Straight up, and also I would be able to stay analytical and in the work because yeah. I wouldn't be like, oh, but he's not going to want to do that and whatever. I'm like, yeah, he's going to do that because that's yeah. what we need, and we'll just do it. Stop getting in the way. We'll figure it out. I like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's weird that's stuff. Awesome. So I was never into. Sp- oh, I'm so sorry. This is like no. I want. I want to talk about you. No, Why? Because I, I want to. I want to hear more about you guys. All right. I. But anyway. So no, I was never into sports. But I was very musical before I found Letterman and talk show and all that stuff. Uh-huh. I was. Mu- I was going to be a musician. I was. Um, I was doing sessions. I was on the radio in New York when I was like still at high school age and stuff like that um used to do recording sessions and i was really really quite good as a drummer and uh and a piano player just for fun do you ever do it at all anymore no not really the last time i did was with craig robinson uh uh, without the nasty delicious it was just craig robinson at the hot tub two rap party in new orleans at the saint hotel (laughs) That so sounds like this is my last gig. This is my last gig. Last gig I've done, folks. Wow. It was like what whenever gig, Hot though. Tub Two was like 2013, I think. Yeah. So I think that was it. But I, I, I got back into it. I bought another drum kit, and that one is sitting in someone else's home studio <laughs> now, not here, not being played. I mean, if being you're going to have a last gig, that sounds like a pretty good last gig. Uh, but be- between those two, oh my god, it had been years. I mean, wow. years. And my original kit is still at a, my childhood uh, mm-hmm. a family friend's home. 
you know what I mean? Like it's just weird stuff. It, all the stuff still exists, but no, I don't really don't really play anymore. Oh, I should dive back into it. Yeah, where? Up those creative, yeah, I know. That's that's, that's I mean, a really good question. It's a great idea, but yeah. like I played the drums. Practically where where are you gonna do that? <laughs> it sucked. Maybe you can, like, you could spend ten grand on a really cool electronic kit, but again, that's a commitment. You know yeah. what I mean? That's like are you gonna get into this and do something with something? it? Yeah. No. No, I wanna just have exercise. Yeah. But that was truly my exercise when I was a kid because I was pretty good and I would practice all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, like go-karting and driving. Mm. I was always into that stuff. But no, no sports. Hey, driving, driving aggressively and safely, that's a sport. And go-karting? You know, how did you learn to drive? Like did you learn to drive the normal way? Yeah. Basically, it like was normal more, ages you know, and stuff? Funny, it was more my mom that taught me mm-hmm. versus my dad. Okay. Um, because I didn't learn stick until, honestly, a few years ago. I really, I had tried, I think, a few times, and then, I don't know, just life was busy, all that other stuff. They're just like, sure. oh, let's just get you in an automatic for now. Um, and that was kind of how it worked, and it wasn't until, like, I actually really wanted to learn. And then my mom actually taught me, for the most part, even how to drive manual at Rose Hill Cemetery in Pointy Hills <laughs> in an Audi TT, like a first-generation Quattro. It was my grandpa's old car, and we just, like, took that through there. And I remember within, I think, like, a day, day and a half of her teaching me really how to do it and feeling a little more comfortable, I drove from Whittier all the way out to Topanga Canyon um, to visit, like, an old mentor of mine who was up in the hills. And that was my trial by fire. Cause I went Going across, up to Topanga? I went across the freeway through, like, onto PCH, then up. And then, like, she lived... It's like, like your first in, solo flight. It was because she like lived up in the hills that were like it's like a forty degree incline. So I'm like falling backwards, really having to like find that balance really quickly, and I was petrified. Hundred percent. I think that was the way. After that, I felt more comfortable everywhere. Crash course, right? <laughs> yeah. Just throw you right in the deep end. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like the idea of. Uh, well, I, I have a, I have mixed feelings on the um, throwing you in an automatic. You know. I feel yeah. like if you don't learn on a manual, you're never going to learn, and maybe even don't get the fundamentals as well because there's more like you have to it's a little more thorough um but at the same time i kind of like how it happened for you because of your story you sort of opened my eyes a little (laughs) bit of like all right but then if they do learn it's because they really want to or because they you know they want this car that's old because it's a good car guy reason for whatever (laughs) so i guess i'm with you there uh yeah yeah, so but same normal ages and stuff like you got your permit and like did everything the right way yeah yeah, I went through all those classes, and I was actually looking, because my dad and I initially were thinking about, like, either, like, an old Mustang, or we had family in the Midwest that had, like, a like a 69 Camaro that was available, and it was just, like, a little out of my price range as, like, a student, because I was going to be the one, like, they were going to be, like, help me with the down payment, and then I was going to, like, find a job and sure. all that traditional Keep stuff. Keep it up. Yeah, exactly. And we ended up just going with a Volkswagen Jetta. It was safe, reliable. More affordable. It made I, sense for I, everything. I kind of have to even agree with that one. I mean, for your first car. Yeah. Like a 69 Camaro sounds bitchin' because yeah. it's a bitchin' Camaro. I think I'm here to this day because of that decision. Kind of. I don't know if I would have trusted 16-year-old me along the hills. Beyond that, you may have gotten – it may have not – it may have gotten you out of cars because, like, it may not have been yeah. the fun romantic experience you were hoping for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because as a kid in high school, unless you're just one of those unique individuals that loves it immediately. Like for me, I was just so obsessed with everything else in life at that time Mm -hmm. that I think had the car died on me a lot, I wouldn't have appreciated the fact that that's part of the experience that you're meant to enjoy versus being like, this is keeping me away from my friends. Right. It would have been an inconvenience instead of the experience. Yeah. Uh, Because now I'd be totally okay with it. I just, 
I'd have to leave it on the side of the road, kiss it, and then take an Uber <laughs> to get to work and then deal with it after. But <laughs> Gosh, that is a thing, right? I mean, it's very rare you see a car on the side of the road alone anymore because everyone's got like an app and a, yeah. and a thing and a whatever. That's funny. Yeah. Gosh, I when thought... we were kids, yeah, there would just be a car on the side of the freeway. <laughs> just abandon it. Yeah, and you're on a road trip of 10 of them. Oh, is this one tagged yet? No, it's not tagged. Yeah. Remember the cops used to come and oh, tag yeah. them. <laughs> there, there was a guy I met in Alaska. I did like a random camping trip. Or well, kind of a camping trip, but I, I, hope, I hope it was intentional. If you went all the way to Alaska, that's it was, a it was weird place to randomly I know. camp. It, the story behind that was it was in between first and second year of med school, and I was stuck in the city in Chicago, like downtown for so long, like the winter and everything, so gray. I wanted to get out in the exact opposite fashion, and so I found a family medicine clinic in the middle of nowhere in the Alaskan interior, and ended up spending like ten nights out there like working at this clinic just to get a sense of what Whoa. like remote medicine is like. Sounds like awesome life experience. It was super rad. And like I went in, I basically slept in like an iron drum on the premises of this weird campground. But the weird story is when you say like just abandoning a car, the owner of the campground, basically his story was that like 40 years prior, he'd been driving like a VW bus up along like the route, the route, through Alaska <gasps> and it died along the side of the road. He just abandoned the car and walked into this town called Toke, which is like unincorporated territory and just like stayed, never left. Holy crap. Just like put put it away. I'm going to drive like, it to the wheels fall off and I'm going to stay wherever I stop. Yeah. And he'd been wow. there ever since making these giant iron drum like what grills. Ki- what kind of bus was it? It wasn't the bus from, uh, from the movie, was it? That they just I know, moved? I know. That would have been funny. No. No, oh, okay. it was like a it was a VW bus. I don't know. If oh, it, a VW bus. Yeah, I don't okay. know if it was like a twenty three window. Probably not. But no, but still. Uh, what do you think of that? It was Into the Wild, right? Yeah, it was yeah. Into yeah. the Wild. It was Sean Penn, I think, directed it. But it was the kid from uh, was, Girl Next Door. Who's great, great actor. Yeah, Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch. That's Good who for it was. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't see that movie when it came out because I was like, eh, I'm not into it because I was still in the world. I was still in the world. I was still yeah. in the Matrix. <laughs> and and uh, and when I did see it, you know, if, probably five years later, maybe even more. Uh, probably five years ago. Yeah, uh, I was absolutely taken with it, totally blown away, and thought to myself, someday, someday, I'm going to get into sports and exercise, and I'm going to go <laughs> hike out to that bus or whatever. Yeah. And then just like a month or so ago, there was a whole big, like, I didn't even hear. covert, uh, oh, you don't know, no, it's not there I anymore. Even know. It's not there anymore. Oh. And it was like a government thing, like they moved it because of the people, the resources that were necessary uh. from people hiking out, and then the help that would need to go out to help the hikers who weren't prepared. Oh, wow. Basically, all the people who would kind of go be the uh-huh. Emil Hirsch character, but weren't yeah. necessarily as equipped. Anyway, there was a whole thing, and they moved it with a helicopter and oh, didn't tell goodness. anyone. It wasn't until it was like they showed footage of it uh-huh. after it was gone. I had no idea. I know. All right, so That's you don't nice. know. I was curious. Well, what do you feel about it, having heard that? I, I mean, I... Need more info. I can understand a little bit from the perspective that I'm sure... I just don't know how many numbers of people were actually like getting injured or dying trying to do it, but, I mean... It's, to, it's a, to me, it was doing more of the other... Like, it was a, oh, there's a, there's a, yeah. there's a place out there, you know? It's like a weird... Yeah, that's... I don't know that people would go there to die. You know what I mean? I don't think that that's what the character did. I think he just went there, lived his life to the fullest till the end, and he died earlier than he would have. Yeah. No, that's that's a good question. Oh, Uh, spoiler alert. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He lives happily ever after. (laughs) He's up there still. Yeah. Salmon with him. Driving that bus. What a good time. I don't know. I think of like the you know if they took the buses out of uh, the Mash Camp, like oh man, I'd be so bummed out in Calabasas. Or Malibu or wherever that yeah, is, yeah. the Malibu Mountains. That that would be sad to take it away. I mean, because I think of it like that's 
it sort of X marks the spot for me. It's a yeah. little treasure hunt for us. It's remember geocaching? They used to do that, or geo. I think what people was it still called? do that. Yeah, geocaching, where they they tag it and like GPS tag it. And yeah, and they'll put a little and, like, drop something off. Yeah, they'll put a little it. prize on the wall or a yeah, dollar yeah. or something. Yeah, it's sort of like that, but like you know, grander scale. Yeah. like these That's little like a, dots of places. It's a COVID to visit. friendly thing that they can do. Yeah, it kind of is, yeah, right? Still, I think so. <laughs> you go to this spot Remotely. in Santa Monica, lick this rock. <laughs> Put it back. Yeah, spray it and then walk away. Oh, my gosh. Well, what do you think about, like, the world these days? I mean, where are you with things? Are you zoomed in on your life or are you – I don't um, I don't mean your politics yeah, or yeah, yeah. anything you're comfortable talking yeah. about, really, I guess. I think it goes in and out. I get glimpses of what's happening with the world. So on my, night, on my like, night block that I had been on for this past month, like, I kind of lost track of what was happening in the world. But usually in the mornings after my shift – I'd either go for a run, which I did like very few, um, or I would just like eat breakfast, shower, listen to a podcast of like a, a kind of a news recap. Yeah. And I usually listen to like the NPR podcast that they had in the mornings just to see. It's called like NPR like News Now or something. Oh, and yeah, that's it's like okay. a fifteen minute blurb of just kind of the updates of the day, and that was kind of the only outlet that I had. Otherwise, I mean, I posted on Instagram very infrequently, yeah. just because like I didn't have any time or energy, even though I have like an archive of a bajillion photos that like are waiting, but uh, still create creativity in coming up with what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, it's weird because I catch glimpses of what's happening in the world, but it's, it's all over the place. Well, I think, it's I think that say. maybe the lesson here is to live our own lives and yeah. to do it in the best way possible. And I, you know, to do it with conscience. I mean, that's, that's what I'm finding anyway. Yeah. Um, to, to just live consciously and, and try to make an effort to make the right decision. I mean, we, no matter where we are at any point, there's a decision to make, right? You go this way, that way, no matter yeah. what. And it's kind of like, all right, just, you know, make, like your parents say, leave the house, make good decisions. Please just make good decisions. Um, it, it's such a clash too. I feel like of like American ideals and like what represents like American society, because like America is not a collectivist place and we're faced with something in which this could have easily been avoided, well, not easily, but it could have been avoided had we had a more collectivist approach on top of so many other aspects, whether you're looking at a different healthcare system that's better equipped for this kind of things. There's so many factors that affect it, but I think if you're trying to kind of like break it down to its fundamental level, it's the fact that like Americans are not a collectivist society. And so to think about the other is a challenging thing and that's kind of what we're facing head on in a day-to-day way is that a, i think you're incredibly astute and that was very well put you're <laughs> you're you're very intellectual also uh, uh do you think that that is a is it a political thing is it a like what where does mm-hmm. that what's the do you think it's politics or do you think it's um awareness like enlightenment like what do you think where do you think that comes from? I mean, because when you, what you're saying sounds to go against capitalism, and it's like, well, capitalism as a whole isn't going to go away in this country anytime yeah. soon. You know, we, we may go to different subsystems, but, yeah. like, I just don't see capitalism going away. Absolutely. But yet I also kind of like that sort of like, well, I have to step on you to get mine. It's a weird yeah. play. Like, I don't, I understand why people are all trying to fight for themselves, but at the same time, we're never going to make it that way. And you aren't either. Yeah. Like you, who's fighting, it's just not going to work in the end. So it's a yeah. low-sum game. I think it's really tricky because people jump to conclusions. Like, I, immediately when I say like those kind of things, people are like, oh, is this like a socialist agenda? Oh, and right, yeah. Well, that's, like, you're afraid to talk about it. Exactly. And I think that's the hard part is that, like, 
I guess maybe I'm more idealistic in the sense that I'd like to believe that everyone who's coming to the table is coming from the mindset of, we want to make this place better. Ugh. Like, how can we actually <sighs> make this fantasy. better for all of us? Because that's, that's a big caveat. Not everyone's saying that. But, like, to be able to approach it from the way that we are both coming to the table wanting the same thing, but maybe have different biases and different backgrounds that are bringing our own experiences into this, which then can come at odds. Is that greater good? Will we call that greater good? Sort of like moving for the herd instead of just for the individual? Yeah, I, I mean, I think like it, like the but not that's being like the goal com- communism or whatever, just simply yeah. just awareness. Yeah, and I think that can. I think there's no reason that that can't be done in the American climate of capitalism. I, I think right. that it's just to a certain degree, American greed is also part of the fabric, and so when we rise. We, we don't necessarily think of bringing people along with us in that way. Mm. Um, I mean... Oh, that's a, yeah. That's so an it, interesting... Yes, it's you're like, interesting. It's, it's challenging because we have so much available to us. And I think there's just so many things that could be done uh, to try and solve this issue. Yeah. But kind of going back to what you said, is it political? I think it has to be political, but at the same time, it's like a fundamental issue. Right. It's like much bigger. Like Like I looked at like... When I think of... Like collectivist societies, I think like Taiwan, which obviously has like Chinese roots, uh, but it's just like a, it's such a different mentality in the way like they approach their healthcare system because that's how I've kind of gotten to know um, Taiwanese healthcare and Taiwan as a whole. And to kind of make that kind of change takes so many steps beyond just a political move. I mean, I think of like the way that the U.S. approached kind of cancer early on in like the 19th, 20th century, mm-hmm. it, it took a social movement before necessarily political. And I know the two are ingrained, but um, there's so many things of just changing the American psyche before thinking about pushing any kind of political agenda or anything like that, because everyone is so entrenched that uh, you it, know, it's, it's tough. It, it is tough. It's funny. We never get political. And I guess I don't really feel like we are now because I definitely yeah. am not. I don't have a, a, a side here. I'm yeah. just looking at it. Um, yeah, in fact, maybe we've gone as far as we need to go on that. But I am so. I mean, I yeah. could I could pick and pry at the curiosity of it all because, like, oh, I want it to work too. Like, how do we get it to work? Yeah. Like fundamentally, I feel like this is the same country it's always been. But it's a matter of do you want the one from the past, the present, or the future? You know, yeah. um, I think depending on. It seems like at this point nobody's on a schedule of television and, and nine to five <laughs> yeah. work and all of the, everything is out the window. Everyone's on their own lives. And yeah. it's almost like we lost what the agreed where we are in the time frame. Like some people are still yeah. wearing bell bottoms and some people are still wearing, you know, t- skinny jeans, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's one of those and everything's fine. Yeah. And I kind of agree with that from a, how we should live our lives. But like from the rules standpoint of how we're supposed to act, that gets f- f- blurry. Yeah. It's, hmm. it's it's hard. I think ultimately, like regardless of politics, if people can actually come together That's and it. talk and share their ideas, share their perspective and their bias, then like the hope is that in the light of those conversations, people can come to an agreement of some kind. Yeah. Like, oh, I agree with what you're saying there, but sharing like, without judgment. Yeah, yeah. I have plenty of fr- like I'd say if like a large portion of my friends I disagree with on a lot of different things, and I love those conversations. Sure. Like you, that's where you grow. If you're just talking with people who agree with you completely, you're um, in a that's a bubble. That's you don't need that. And I feel like we're kind of living in lots of different bubbles right now, and none of it's coming together. Maybe that's kind of what I mean. Like, oh, there's the bell bottom crew, there's the skinny exactly. jeans crew, there's the ripped jeans crew, and it's like yeah. we're all in high school again, but the clicks are way bigger. Yeah, and technology kind of it 
it can foster the good, but it can also kind of help facilitate those bubbles, like any chat room that's focused on one topic. Here's the thing. Because of high school and not being into sports, I was the weird guy who didn't fit in anywhere, but yeah. fit in everywhere because of it. So, like, I had friends who were jocks. I had friends who were skaters. I had friends who were goth and all that stuff. Yeah. And I feel like, isn't that what we need to survive these days? You need to be able to fucking yeah. talk to anybody and be able to communicate, rather. I should say communicate with yeah. everybody. Absolutely. And, 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 and it is okay that you don't agree on things. It's not uh, – we were saying this on the show. The other, it yeah. doesn't mean you're diametrically opposed just because you <laughs> don't agree on one thing yeah. really, really badly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh god! No, I totally agree. Uh, you came in this house with a mask on. I generally wear one. Also, yes. I'm not telling you to put it on, but I, I do want to ask about it. Uh, what is your? I mean, I, every time I see you, you're wearing one. Yeah. yeah. What is your? Uh, I'm sure it's a hospital policy, probably, to have one. What? Oh, yeah, what absolutely. about? What about your? Uh, I mean, I, you're always wearing one. Yeah, yeah. So, is there anything we should know? I mean, you're a doctor. <laughs> that's here. That's where I'm yeah. at. You're a doctor. I mean, I, I can't encourage it enough. Like. If you're not spaced out by six feet, if you're in like an enclosed space, not spaced out, all the like wear it for yourself, wear it for your friends, wear it for the people that are immunocompromised, anyone that you don't even like someone could have a pending cancer diagnosis or anything that you don't know about down the road by being present around them. If they were to go through chemo and all those different things, if they're just immunocompromised and they don't realize it yet, like you don't realize who you can affect. And I, I think for me, like the way I've been trying to approach it is like I'm in the hospital. I fortunately have not yet had to interact with COVID patients, but I know that time is coming and I don't want to on my own conscious think that I'm putting anyone in danger. And so it's, it's interesting that it became a political statement, Yeah. Uh, but I think it's something that like medicine is, is rapidly learning at the beginning. I can accept the fact that like, we weren't as a medical community in the U S saying everyone should be wearing masks. We were almost, we, we couldn't were really find enough damn masks in the beginning. Yeah. And right then early on, yeah, exactly. We didn't have enough. So we said, you don't even need to wear any, just let the health like professionals be wearing them in the hospitals. Let us figure this thing out for a minute. We'll talk about masks next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, it's interesting because you would hear things being like, people will come up to you and be like, well, you guys said at the beginning we shouldn't mm. have been wearing them, and now you're changing your mind? Well, it's like we accept that that was a mistake, but that's part of the process of humility and looking at the data. Yeah. And once we look at the data, we're not trying to make a political stand. It's just simply saying, like, this will reduce the likelihood that you're going to get infected. Like, you do this for yourself. You do this for the people around you. Like, I know it sucks. We're not going to we're going to sit here and be like, oh, this is so fun. Yeah, you're going to be I'm sucking so down your own air. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. But it's as a like, doctor, you must have a little bit of like, oh, yeah, everybody finally gets to see what this bullshit's like. Yeah, exactly. Being in the OR and your glass, like now that I know that people understand the glasses fogging up and all of that. This issue, is my nightmare. Yeah. You told me a secret about it with getting those ones with the little clip. But like, you know, oh, you can't yeah. find anything stylish and you can't really support your friends by doing <laughs> exactly. that. You know what I mean? No, those are awesome. Speaking of which, I just should say, if you are uh, six feet or uh, less or if you see someone not wearing a mask or in an enclosed space, blah, 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 please do. Uh, by all means, say to them, hey, man, need a mask? Shop com. <laughs> I love that. And that's actually the perfect way to do it. You don't need to, like, if you see someone on the side of the road, don't yell at them like, you're an idiot. You're not going to win. Never going to win. Be like, need Here, a mask? do you have, like, do you need one? Is there anything that I can do to help you? Like, I hope you have a great day. And it's like, 
can I tell you a really great <laughs> example of that that happened to me the other day? And I, I literally complimented the woman when I saw her afterwards. Yeah. <clears throat> we were at the grocery store, and the grocery store is one of those you park underneath it, and but there's an you know an up, so you're in the yeah, store yeah, yeah. and you got to take the elevator down. And uh, so we're both at the elevator, and it's coming up, and we can see it, and we're both like putting our things. She had her on, but I was like you know adjusting a little bit, making sure we're all tight to get in the little yeah. box. You know what I mean? And she said, "Do you want to take this one, and I'll wait for the next one." And I said, no, you take it. But thank you so much for letting me know that you wanted to go alone. You did that absolutely perfectly. <laughs> that and subtle, I salute yeah. you and I love it. And, I'll, and, and, and no problem. Please go. Go. It was 30 seconds. For, not, yeah. It was probably 15 seconds that I waited. But the way she did it was just like you said. Like it's just nice offer. Yeah. It's just a different way. She got exactly what she wanted. Yeah. And by the way, she made a freaking friend out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. You guys are forever bonded. <laughs> I didn't mean that, but you know my point. <laughs> I, I said, it's I, sweet, though. It was so quick that she was still pushing yeah, yeah. her cart to the car when I got down and was walking to mine. And I passed her, and I was like, props again. That was yeah. awesome. Way to be great. You know, exactly. stay healthy, the whole thing. No, that's, that's nice. It's like a little bit of kindness goes a long way, especially now. You want to talk about cars just for a second? Yeah. Can it really fast? How's Nicole? She's good. Yeah. She's on assignment, I forgot to mention. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> You'll see her. I think we show. haven't seen her. I miss her. <laughs> She's here the whole time. Oh, uh, missed her. Uh, um, uh, but cars wise. Yeah. You have a Porsche yet? I do not. Yeah, yeah I, I knew the answer to that. But uh, say someday you do. Has mm-hmm. your. Um, what, 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 what would it be now? How's that? If now, if you could, oh, your dream Porsche, and I'm going to get it someday, and I'm going to work towards it, and whatever. You know, you're, you're a hard worker Ooh. in general, and I know that someday <laughs> you'll get one. I don't think you're going to wait for your dad's. I have a feeling yeah, you'll do something not. on your own before that. Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the – uh, I really think I want a 912. I, I've, I've wanted one for a very long time. Uh, I'm sticking to it. I love the Porsche. I love, I love the 912 community That was your answer last time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's – Good for you. Ever since, like, really, I began to really be involved and love the Porsche community, it was with a 912 in mind. Like, I love 356s. I think long term, um, like, with more resources and everything available and hopefully time to be invested in it, I love The to, someday plan? Yeah, the someday plan, I think, because Claire really likes 356s as yeah. well. Um, you can so, put me on that list, too. The someday, for sure, 356 coupe all the way. Yeah, that would that would definitely. But I think yeah. it's just like... But I want like a Patrick Long car, one that's not pretty. You know what I mean? Yeah, one, yeah, totally. I shouldn't say that, but one that's not pretty. Like, like Wester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's amazing. Yeah. No, I, just, I totally agree. You can agree. just scream it. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. Uh, a 912, just... It's so happy. It's got such a unique story to it. Yeah. Um, would you keep it as is, or would you like bentonify? You know, like the Bahammer, <laughs> like Kevin Lynch's Bahammer, or would you go Ooh. that? Would you go that uh, that you know, route? I don't think I would take it to the the degree that Kevin did. Which I mean, the Bahammer is amazing. Um, I'd probably keep it more on the stock side, but I would probably put like a Twin Spark one point seven okay, from Benton, bit. just like sure. to have a little bit of pep. Absolutely, um, and that. response, a little responsiveness, exactly. But like have kind of a mix of maybe some steelies that I can swap on occasion with like a roof rack. So that way I can just Dress like, it up. Yeah, exactly. Dress you, it up, dress it down. You want the playset. You want the Porsche playset. Yeah, I Absolutely. definitely. Because like nothing would be better. I, every time when I drive over to like Cars and Coffee or just like going to and from the hospital, like I realize like again, like how time is so limited and you really want to enjoy every moment of that. And there'd be nothing better. Just like me, Claire and Ollie just like sitting together. It's like in a little car, just like putting tune from the hospital in it. I can totally see that. I can also see you guys doing road trips, like photo trips. I mean, that... oh yeah, we would drive. I would, I would drive that thing until it fell apart, and then rebuild it and drive it some more. 
That would be the, That's the right answer, by the way. I mean, at least little, in my book. Yeah. They're meant to be enjoyed. Mm. Every little paint chip on the hood as you're going through, that's that's a testament to a good time, to I, a fun rally. I simply adore looking at them, but driving them is where it's at for me, you know? And I, and I love totally. standing around parking lots and having coffee and looking at the cars. I mean, I you know we do it nonstop. Oh, yeah. But something about being on the road and pedal down. Yeah. We're so lucky where we live. I mean, Seriously. what's it like for you now being back here? Have you gone out to the driving roads too much? Uh, or have you not had that much time? I know Santa Barbara, yeah, but I mean, yeah. like locally here, the Crest or Malibu. I haven't gone really locally yet. Yesterday when I went up to Santa Barbara, um, it was actually to see a friend um, who's a 912 owner out there. It's not two different 912 owners. Um, so I have a friend, Colin, um, who has an awesome 67 912, the red one. And then my friend, Craig, who has a Coco Brown 912 oh, um, that are amazing. And the thing was, before when Luftgeh Colt was set to happen, before it officially got canceled, which is heartbreaking, mm. uh, but the right decision, before it got canceled for the first time that it was going to happen, like in late June mm-hmm. or late May, um, originally I was going to be flying out to Santa Barbara, was the plan, to go with my friend and his 912 and drive cross-country to North Carolina. Whoa. So we, we were going to have like a full week together doing like the Valkyrie run that was planned for everything. Yeah. So we were super excited, and then obviously that didn't happen. Oh, that's um, such a bummer. And so I, at the very least, though, I ended up going up to see him yesterday, and we drove kind of around together through the, the hills. That's um, cool. Which was fun. And we took it. The car was actually originally owned um, by a UCSB alum, and the car had been around Santa Barbara. And so, like, having being a UCSB alum myself, we took the car on campus yesterday and kind of shot it around campus at different locations. Oh, that's because awesome, you know it so well. You know where to yeah, park yeah. it. Oh, that's exactly. great. Exactly. Took it to, like, old stomping grounds, took it to Freebirds, and just kind of had, like, a fun drive together. But it just, like, it reminded us of what we could have done for our trip. But, like, what we'll do in 2021 yeah. is the plan. Um, Hopefully. But, yeah, exactly. That's... <laughs> That's the goal. Do you see? Things. I don't want to. I'm not asking <laughs> you to make any prediction, but do you see? Uh, you're not probably looking at it that closely, so I'll just ask you. Throw a number out there. When do you think we're out of this? <laughs> Man, it, yeah, I don't no. even have a good number to give because it's just. I don't think it's six or eight or even eighteen months, or six or twelve or eighteen. I think it's. I think it's longer. I don't think this goes away. I don't think a vaccine fixes it. I think. I think it's just. I think yeah. this is the new norm, and I hate to say that. Yeah. I hate to agree with it. I hate to buy into that reality, but I don't see it. No, it's true. I mean, and I don't even, think the election's going to change the world like some people think it is. Yeah. Even with a vaccine, it's true. It. It's basically going to be a similar thing how the flu is. Like every year, it's going to. I mean, I know people compare and there's an issue. So with there may be like mask season. It could be in the future, you know, where it like, could be. Yeah. You know. Or maybe people are just more conscious. I mean, in Asia, that's been a longstanding thing. When people are sick, they put a mask on, not because they're scared necessarily of everyone else, but as a courtesy yeah. when they themselves are sick. I remember when uh, us Americans used to make fun of them on the plane or whatever. Sure. It's like, guess what? Yeah, you guys were right. <laughs> they were, they've been there. Yeah, yeah. Done, been there, done that. Yeah. So I think that that, I think now it's definitely going to enter the consciousness. Do you think population plays a role? In the in the in the uh, um, mm. the, the the natural disease formation of the planet, you know, I don't know how these things actually work, but assuming yeah. nothing came from a lab and there's not anything kind of you know, yeah, no conspiracy does. theories, just assuming this came from plants or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's almost like the happening or something, you know. I mean, if you think about how quickly something like that mutates, I mean, you go even to like HIV, mm-hmm. it yeah, mutates good so quickly that yeah. even our best stuff, we cannot eradicate it. It's present in the population. It circulates. Um, you can affect behavior, and that's we, all the things that we've tried to do for coronavirus being like respiratory with droplets. Like, 
you you basically just you can't change the population in that way but it's mutating so quickly that it's the same with the flu yeah. every year we come out with different strains using h's and n's and we like categorize how we're going to do it and they're anticipating this nine months in advance looking at um how the virus is mutating in the, the southern hemisphere anticipating what it's going to be like in the northern hemisphere so they're always looking at other so they're areas. always trying to anticipate it and it, sometimes it's really successful and people will like the vaccine will be effective sometimes it's not so mm. i think it's going to be kind of a similar thing that we're going to be experiencing with coronavirus that we're trying to anticipate where it's going to be within like the next 9 12 18 months and you're trying to jump ahead get everything to actually ramp up production and hoping from there that it actually does its job and you get some sense of herd immunity. Or at, least, at the very least compartmentalization where like you shut down where it's going to be ahead of before it gets there kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And um, who knows, hopefully we'll even build enough capacity. People talk about contact tracing and like that number that we need to really get to that point that you can contain it. Yeah. And we're not even close to that yet because that just takes a huge amount of resources and manpower to actually do. Uh, but hopefully we'll get to a point that the instant someone comes down with it, They'll be forthright, share where they've been for the past several days with no judgment, and then that team of contact tracers can kind of go ahead and isolate. It's going to be such a pain, but that's kind of what I think what is needed to be able to kind of slow it down. Wow. It's great that you can see that far into the future based on the, your experience from the past. I mean, that's really great because you you helped me see a different path that mm -hmm. I, I didn't see previously. I think it's like I'm reading, I'm re going through all Sherlock Holmes chronologically reading them. Oh, wow. This is so fun. But it's like the, the, bo the books, the yeah, original the books. books? Yeah, oh, yeah. wow. That's so cool. Because Conan Doyle, I mean, like talking about like physicians and everything, like Sherlock Holmes was my, I think we talked, I don't know if we talked about this before, but like. I have a connection as well, but it's not, probably not like yours. So let, I'd rather hear yours. The, no, the random fact is um, about Sherlock Holmes is that he was actually modeled after Dr. Joseph Bell, who oh, was a physician. But I think I told you about Yeah, this. but I didn't know who Bell was until yeah. you told me. And but Bell I, was the Taco is... Bell guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, yeah. You're kidding. Be Bell is related to like the founder of Taco Bell. Bong. I know. Wow. So you can always think of Sherlock Holmes and you get that cheesy wordy to crunch. For me, being a Connecticut kid, there was a tourist attraction that you could go to. It was it's owned by the state now, but it was a it was a private estate. Uh it's called Gillette Castle. Uh -huh. It's crazy that again talked about this on the smoking tire yesterday too. Just <laughs> randomly came up because he's from the same era. Yeah. Uh same area. <laughs> and the same era. Anyway, it uh, it was built by a, a, an actor by the name of William Gillette. William Gillette was made famous by playing the role of Sherlock Holmes. This was oh. on stage. It was before film and stuff. Yeah, it was when they would you know when they would literally tour uh, productions around, and that was kind of like how you would see stories. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> but his name was William Gillette, and this beautiful castle on the on the Connecticut uh, River, and there's just tons of Sherlock Holmes stuff all oh. over it because of you know that. That's awesome. But that yeah, that's yeah. that's the closest. I like I, that. <laughs> no, I, I like that. It, it, it's true. Like when you and the stories are are brilliant. I mean, they're very yeah. very intelligent writing. Yeah, because like the whole idea behind it is that Sherlock was so well read on history that nothing was really new to him. It was all kind of a variant on something that had already happened. Therefore, he could anticipate. That's why everything was he was happening. ahead of Watson and everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Wow, that's so yeah. cool. You're so it's smart. No. You're so smart. No, you give me way too much credit. No, no, no. Trust I can't. Me, really I'm not do. saying I'm so smart, but well, maybe we're just into weird things and they cross paths in like the same that, yeah. places. That's why we're here together. Th maybe we're, we're on that we're on that same plane here. Oh, thanks, buddy. Um, Thank it's probably time to wrap it up, but yeah, I yeah. should probably uh, uh, mention very quickly uh, uh, our friends over at St. Clair Insurance. 
Absolutely. They're a new sponsor over here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say to you, you know. My wife's name is Claire, so this is perfect. <laughs> That's right. And she's a saint. She absolutely is. Oh, this is adorable. I'm going to say to you, you know, the difference between men and boys is the coverage for their toys, Andrew. What do I mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me what you mean by that. <laughs> do you have a classic car or anyone in your family have a classic car? Yes. Why, in fact, my dad does. I hope he has it insured. <laughs> if so, if it's somebody like Haggerty or probably almost any other brand, I don't want to list them all, yeah. I would highly recommend he or anyone like like that would go to St. Clair Insurance. Uh, you go to uh, uh, stclairinsurance.com, which is, or excuse me, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to do this right. We're going to, we're going to, <laughs> it's actually taking more time on the thing. And eventually you're all going to remember St. Clair Insurance Definitely. and you're all going to go to coverage for your choice. Here's my problem. I'm holding the wrong card. <laughs> St. Clair Insurance. You know the difference between men and boys is the coverage for their toys. St. Clair Insurance. Coverage for your toys. And that's coverageforyourtoys.com. St. Mm-hmm. Clair Insurance. Um, I don't know. You may actually even know this guy. Jeff St. Clair is a uh, um, uh, he's a Porsche guy. He's got a very, very uh. cool 911. Uh-huh. But he uh, uh, does all the, the Targa Bajas and all those, like Targa Californias. He does all those as well. Really? And he sponsors them sometime as well through his company. Huh. And uh, he's just a really cool guy. And we're very happy to be doing these with him. That's so awesome. eventually I'll get very good at doing them. But right now we're just making a mess and making sure everybody remembers St. Clair Insurance and CoverageForYourToys.com. I love it. When I find my 912. <laughs> I am going to St. Clair Insurance. Yeah, and he's like one of the top, he gets the award for being like the in the top 20 Haggerty, uh, uh, you know, people a, every awesome. year. So it's it's a nice. it's a good stuff. And it's not just cars. It's classic uh, classic cars, but it's uh, not just classic cars. You can do obviously anything, your mm-hmm. RV, your boat, your motorcycle, whatever. Your it's home, your home, home, your business, all that stuff. Oh. People who sell insurance tend to sell all the insurances. I think Cover of all the bases. Ned Ryerson from the Ned Ned Ryerson. <laughs> What's that? Uh, uh, Groundhog Day, wonderful film. <laughs> yeah. uh, just tries to sell everything. So anyway, uh, that's my shout out to St. Clair Insurance and. Uh, Please give your love. Uh, my love. <laughs> I'm drunk. Is it? Let's <laughs> forget it. No, this is this is COVID era. Oh my goodness! Um, please give my love to the Florins. Um, both oh, your, your oh, I met your mom finally too. That yeah. was the first time yeah, that same day. There. But um, yeah, to the whole family, we love them. We love uh, them, and we love you. Send Nicole my love to you. You'll Claire see her was, in a few Claire days. Was smitten. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's on assignment, but she's not too far. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's local assignment. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I love you. Let's um, you, let's make this regular. Am I going to see you this weekend or anything? That's the plan. Yeah, we'll be coming. To what, uh, Malibu? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. You got to come to Breakfast Club someday. You still haven't made it, I right? Know. I I came once. Because I remember seeing Damon, because I remember having co- breakfast with you guys. Okay. That I think there was one time. All right, then I'll get off your case as long as you've been. But I do want to go back up there. I would love it. It's, it's so just fun. donuts and distancing now. That's what we're calling it. It's, not, <laughs> it's nothing official. It's just kind of, we bring up Same. Dunkin' Donuts, coffee and donuts. And... But it's such a beautiful drive. Yeah, it is. It's really fun, though. Everybody hangs out, and they, yeah. we kind of sit in, like, a wide circle that moves <laughs> as the sun does, like, like in the parking lot. It's very weird kumbaya nice. Uh Anyway, it's oh, a good time. amazing. Uh, <clears throat> that's it. Tomorrow is the uh, the Breakfast Club, the unofficial Breakfast Club, and uh, Sunday we'll be in Malibu Kitchen, and that's what we have. Andrew Florin, I love you, brother. Love you, too. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much for being here. So um, we love you at home. Please love one another. Thanks for a great week. And thanks again to Zach and uh, Matt Farah from The Smoking Tire. We've been building their studio. Everything is great. They're very happy. Almost done with the set design, but the production is oh, up and, so cool. and, and shows are being produced out of WCCS. So it's very exciting. But thank you, thank you, thank you to Matt and Zach for having me on the podcast yesterday. That's it was really exciting for me. It's a big deal. That's really cool. It, it, it's, it is. It is. I, I know other people may not care, but it was a very big deal to me. So I appreciate it. Uh, Love you at home. Have a great night.
the kumbaya uh, moment. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to TLG. Oh yeah, how was it? 